Hello and welcome to the Intentional Clinician Podcast. I'm your host, Paul Kraus, licensed professional counselor. In today's episode, I'm going to be speaking with Dr. Karen, and we are going to be talking all about what makes a great relationship work, as well as some of the pitfalls to avoid if you are in a relationship or wanting to get into a relationship with another person. Dr. Karen, formerly known as Dr. Karen Rushkin, is a psychotherapist, licensed marriage and family therapist, and a nationally renowned human behavior and mental health and relationship expert. She provides individual, couples, and family counseling, and she has for 30 years. Dr. Karen often appears on local television and national programs. As a mental health and relationship expert, she has been on The Doctors, The Dr. Oz Show, Fox News, CNN, NBC, Good Morning America, Good Morning Arizona, Discovery Network, Lifetime, MTV, and more. She is the relationship expert for a new documentary discussing relationship dynamics and couples violence that is coming in spring of 2023. Dr. Karen is sought out nationwide for her expertise in helping couples. Dr. Karen specializes in creating concrete solution strategies to help her clientele feel empowered and move forward. Dr. Karen provides relationship coaching and life coaching as well as parenting strategy advisement. Upon relocating back east, she moved across the country a few years ago and is currently based in Scottsdale, Arizona, where she meets with clientele in person and, of course, also online. Dr. Karen is known for her compassionate energy and skill, engaging in action-oriented sessions and offering a safe space for clients to feel heard and understand one's thoughts and feelings. And she is results-oriented. Dr. Karen is the author of three books, including a marriage manual that provides the top most do's and don'ts for a successful, happy, and fulfilling long-term relationship and or marriage. And her mental health book, where each page is an inspirational statement from Dr. Karen to the reader, called 10 Seconds to Mental Health. Dr. Karen is also a therapist for therapists. I think you're going to love this episode. She has high energy, and she is exciting, and she has a lot of great stuff to tell us. Stay tuned. Welcoming to the podcast, Dr. Karen. Thank you so much for being on The Intentional Clinician today. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So uh, in today's episode, we're going to talk about a lot of things with relationships. And one of the things we were talking about earlier was how to have an awesome relationship at any stage or phase or age of the relationship. And that was one of the things we mentioned. Yes, yes. People often think, oh, it's only in the beginning of a relationship that it's awesome. And oh, over time, you know how it gets. It is what it is. No, I say no. It not, it's not an is, it is, it is what it is. Any stage and phase of the relationship, whether you've been together for five years, 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, I'm not kidding. You can have an awesome relationship. There are ways to do that. And I'm excited to talk about that today. Well, well, good. I know that you're a relationship expert and people probably heard in the in your bio, you've been all over the media and have books for sale and all sorts of things like that. And you also do coaching and uh, counseling, uh, depending on the state. Um, and I, so I want to I want to jump right into this. So one of the things, you know, when you talk about a relationship, everyone's like, you know, oh, that sounds so great. But what about all these pitfalls? Right. So I, I actually think we we should start with a little bit of the pitfalls before we get to maybe the important combo. 
So uh, what are, you know, if, if people are listening to this, they either want a relationship or they've been in a relationship or they, you know, are out of a relationship. But what is what is one of the mistakes that couples make? Like, so we could talk about prevent, prevention. You know, yes. what is this? What is a mistake that couples make together and how do we prevent it? What's one of the biggest ones or a couple of the biggest ones you see? Yes. And I appreciate you mentioning that I provide counseling and coaching depending on the state, because often when somebody hears somebody is in the media, they might think, oh, they just they just talk on air about such important topics, but they can't actually help me. They can't actually talk to me, the regular person. And the fact is that's what I do every day for 30 years. That's what I've been doing. I talk to the regular person, the couple as a couple unit or the individual about the couple unit or about a unit you're hoping to someday have, but you don't have or the struggles, the challenges that you're having. So Let's bring my experience today to answer your questions really concretely. What is one of the biggest mistakes, pitfalls, if you will? The biggest mistake and pitfall that I have seen in my work with couples for the past 30 years is missing the making the time to take the time for the couple, specifically the lack of attention. So let's talk about that. Making the time and taking the time for the couple and the lack of attention. So when I say the couple, there's three people within the couple unit. There's you as the individual within the couple. There's the other person as an individual within the couple. And then there's the couple themselves. So think of it as three. If you are not paying attention and making the time to take the time for all three within the couple dynamic, then that in and of itself, that lack of attention is the biggest mistake that couples can make. And if you don't make that mistake, If instead with consistency, yes, yes, it is about consistent actions over time to make the time and take the time to pay attention to your needs within the couple, one, the other person's needs within the couple, two, and the couple dynamic as a whole, three. And that's what I mean by that. There's three people within the couple. All right. I love that. Um, I, I think that you're coming from a very mature and wise perspective. And I hear a lot of couples when they're young, they sort of just, because the responsibilities are less, they have less things pulling on their time. Sometimes that time just naturally comes in there without intentionality, right? But they may not be talking about their needs, right? They may not be saying, this is what I need. And you're talking about the couple dynamic. And I think that's important for people that don't realize every family, every relationship, every friendship has a dynamic where things play out in a certain way, right? And so creating that time, I I feel like intentionally is, is being honest about the fact that both people have a set of needs, right? And they're going to be different because they're different people. And 
talking about the dynamic and how are we doing and, and, and understanding one another is so key. It's so interesting that you say this. It's so basic, but I don't think people do it. I mean, if they didn't, if they did it, we wouldn't have 5,000 books at Barnes and Noble about relationships. We wouldn't have all the divorce attorneys making God's money. You would be, you wouldn't be so busy. You're very busy. So, so, <laughs> so explain, you know, how, I totally hear you. So like, what about, you know, uh, let's just take an example. Uh, uh, I, my audience is all over the place. So let's just take an example in their thirties, maybe late thirties, early forties. And they, you know, had a good run. Maybe they got kids, maybe they don't, but they're just getting stagnant. Okay. And they're just kind of, you know, going through the motions, you know, it's surface level talk. Um, how do they understand or, or, or does it take both people or does one, can one person spearhead this? Hey, we need to talk about our needs and the dynamic of the relationship. How, how, how could we do that? Yes. So one person can be the difference that makes the difference in the couple dynamic to start the dialogue process, mm -hmm. to start the action-oriented process to help the couple to help themselves move forward. With that said, though, it takes, it 100% takes both people for their pattern of what has occurred in the relationship that is no longer satisfying for both of them. It takes both people for that pattern to shift to have a happier relationship where both are feeling more connected. One person alone, although they can be the difference that makes the difference to start the process, both people on that team must play together to truly win the championship, so to speak. 100% agree with that. Um, you're right. If you don't have the buy-in from both people, it's not going to work. But I was thinking about like, this is what I often see because <laughs> I, I have a clinic is that one person spearheads dragging the other person into couples therapy. What, what are sure. your thoughts about that? <laughs> okay, well, <laughs> if we're talking about dragging someone in for help, yeah. uh, it could start that way where one person is dragging the other person in. It all depends on whether or not that person who's been dragged is open to owning his or her part of the problem and owning his or her part in the solution and in the ongoing work and efforts for the couple to continue to grow. And that takes both people. Because the person who is the dragger also needs to own his or her part of the role in the problem or problems, his or her role owning what he or she can do in the solution, as well as the ongoing consistency of what he or she, both people, can do. And they need to want to. You see... There's action-oriented strategies, if you will. I'm a very strategic therapist, a very strategic coach, very strategic. I will give you the goodies in the goodie bag, action-oriented, what you can do right here, right now. With that said, 
both people have to want to do those things. They must have desire for the couple to grow and desire for the other person still. Some couples over time, even though they want to stay in the relationship because maybe they have kids, they're afraid of the unknown, it's going to be financial duress if they were to break up. There's reasons why people stay in a relationship beyond just desire. The fact is, though, if you have lost your desire, your passion, your interest in the other person, you are less likely to actually have the passion and energy, if you will, motivation, if you will, to do what it takes for the couple to grow with intention and with consistency. Can I make a comment about a little theory I have about that? I would like to know your theory. Okay. So my theory is if you if you both got in the relationship loving the other person, whatever that means to you, and you both yeah. wanted the other person. So it wasn't like one of these like, oh, whoops, we got pregnant, we got to get married, or our parents said we should, or we go to the same church or whatever, the synagogue, we got to get married. It's not that. You actually both decided this, okay? I think when that happens, when you have that kind of stale energy from one of the people that's just like, I don't know if I have the want or the desire. My personal theory is that that is a reflection of what's going on within that person in their personal interior life, and that they are then projecting that onto the relationship. They want to give up and do something easier then grow and make this beautiful relationship happen again. They don't want to fall back in love. They've they've fallen out of lust. They've fallen out of limerence. They've fallen out of the desire for the other person. And they go, you know what's easier? Uh, you know, just not investing, right? And 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 doing something for myself. Now, sometimes, hear, hear me out. If there's an abusive situation or power dynamics or money and abuse and all that crap, then you do have to leave the relationship. I'm talking about you still love the person. It's just gotten tired. It's just gotten, I, I think there's a thing where that, whereas that person might need to read a book or go to individual therapy or do some journaling about why they feel so messed up about not wanting to get the juice to kind of try, right? Because what I hear from you and what I've heard from lots of relationship books is if both people invest the time and energy in couple therapy and other methods, the relationship will be salvaged. There isn't, it, it, it's it's foolproof. There isn't a way that it won't be. But if both people, if one person is not fully invested, right, or they're carrying a resentment or they're abusing or neglecting or, uh, uh, you know, yelling at the other person, then there is that, the formula is not going to work, right? You have to have the buy-in. That's what I'm hearing because there's the methods, there's the tools, there's the intentionality that you can bring to it, but that's where it may be necessary for that person to examine their own personal life before even stepping into that arena because they might just be projecting or or making their partner the scapegoat or making their partner the enemy or making their partner um, the parent, you know, quote unquote. I don't know. Those my, that's my theory. It's kind of a loose theory. I don't know what your thoughts are. On that. I, I, I appreciate the theory and I'm sure your audience is now analyzing and stating their own theory and chatting amongst themselves, thinking about what 
their perspective is. So here's what's so challenging. There is no cookie cutter theory and there's no cookie cutter approach and there's no cookie cutter strategy and there's no cookie cutter insight. Meaning there is not one statement that we can make right here, right now for all the many couples to say, aha, this is what we're feeling for. This is the answer or this is the method. Because although there are similarities between couples, there are similar themes, there are definitely themes that I have seen over the 30 years in my work with couples. There are themes, 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 themes. With that said, though, there are nuances and variables within each individual, to your point, a lot going on within each individual, and therefore there is going to be nuances within the couple dynamic as well because each individual has something something going on so if person a has something something something's going on and person b has something something something's going on then the dynamic of a plus b is going to go have a whole lot of something something's going on including past stuff present stuff and even thoughts regarding the future So if there is no cookie cutter approach, so to speak, or strategy or technique or tool, then how in the heck can people be helped, right? Good question. Well, (laughs) yes. Well, because what it does all come down to is the point that I was just making, you were making, and we are discussing together, which is... If both people within a couple unit have their mind and their heart, yes, both their Mm -hmm. mind, because this is their logical thinking, Mm -hmm. as well as the heart, meaning their emotions. So if you have both your brain, so to speak, your logical thought, as well as your emotional desires, in harmony with one another and both parts of self, brain and heart, emotions and logic are both saying, we want the marriage or we want this couplehood. We want this relationship, right? Whether you're married, not married, we want the other person. We really like the other person. We want to be with the other person, not just because. And I, I love who I am. Ready for this one? Drum roll, please. I love who I am with this other person. You see, if you've lost the like for self, in relationship to who you are with this person, that's often a painful piece that happens for some couples. And unless you love who you are with this person and really like who that other person is and really enjoy the couple as a dynamic, remember the three, 
you may not be interested in working any further on the couple. Or perhaps you want to, but you see that the other person, ready for this one, can't change. You've gotten to the point where you see that you could no longer accept the unacceptable, that that person can't change. So even though you really, really, really want to be in this relationship with this person, it's because you're hoping, though, that they can grow and they cannot. They are stuck. Why? Is that really for you to analyze them? The bottom line is for whatever reason, they're not growing. They will not. They cannot. And then you're left with, well, I don't love who I am when I'm with this person. I really, really wish this person could improve because I really, really, really want to be with him or her, but I can no longer. So for some couples, the end of relationship happens because of that, not necessarily because you don't want to own your own part of it. So you see what I mean? How there's different mm, reasons. Yes. We can't just simply say, this is the one reason why couples break up. This is the right. only reason why, or okay, yeah. So there's just some patterns there, but yes. Yeah, so I think that means yes. that people actually, if you want a relationship to work, you, there's a key word there, work. You have to do the work. You have to go in and see an expert. You have to work on this on all different angles. There's so many angles that there isn't, like you said, like a formula, right? But there is hope if people are invested. And that's the first step is to see if you're invested in continuing. So with that, uh, I, I, had, I had I had some more questions, but uh, intimacy. So this is a hot topic. Um, that yeah, one of my favorite, up. one of my favorites to talk about intimacy because yeah. it is such a hot topic. And I have yet, I have yet to see a couple through the years that intimacy is not something that creepy crawlies right up into the session room, even if it's not their initial reason to come, mm. it's typically something that comes up or perhaps it is their initial reason, but it's not something they share at first glance because often people feel like the topic of intimacy is so taboo, yet it is a healthy topic to talk about. That is true. So there's so many different ways to explain it but can you kind of explain like the 101 version of intimacy kind of like what your take is on that yeah so intimacy people often think when they hear the term intimacy they think oh that's sexual yes yes <laughs> it's also emotional and it's also physical that's separate from sexual and it's also intellectual so, intimacy and connection. One can feel and experience deep emotional intimacy. How? Through sharing desires and wants and interests that could be about something that they're interested in as a person individually. The topic concept of emotional intimacy is that you feel heard and seen by your mates and understood 
Even if your mate disagrees with something you're feeling like, wait, I don't feel that same way. So it makes you feel like, well, they don't feel what I'm feeling. So they're disagreeing with me. Mm, No, the idea is you can have your own emotions and feelings. Your mate could have ones that are different from you. And the idea is that you still feel validated. That's when you experience emotional intimacy. If you feel like your mates is in essence telling you that your feelings are invalid because unless your feelings are what his or her feelings are, that you have to view things through the same lens and experience things in the same way, you're not going to feel emotionally connected. You're actually going to feel like you can't share your emotions. And over time, what happens is you will stop sharing such emotions because you will feel unheard, not validated, and that will lead to emotional disconnection. And if you experience emotional disconnection, enough of that over time, you will experience physical disconnection too, even if you once had a connective physical relationship, because the body responds to how the emotions are feeling. And if the emotions are hurting, the heart for hurting emotionally, then our body may tighten up, feel tension, not freedom and loose and openness. So that's a piece of the puzzle with regards to emotional intimacy explained. Now, physical intimacy, often people think that's the same as sexual intimacy, but it's different. Physical intimacy is being able to have physical connection, both in terms of touch and visual, separate from the sexual. So physical, visual, physical touch. Physical visual is what are you physically seeing in terms of the body language of your mate? When they approach you, do you think and feel like they're interested in what you have to say? Are they looking at you in the eyes or are they staring at their phone? Is their body looking straight at you? Or are they looking like their body's turned away? What is their body language? These are things that even if you're not a body language expert, we instinctively experience in our relationship with our mate. If we feel like they're paying attention to us or they're not. And with enough physical visual over time, feeling like you're not connected because they're not engaging with you, you're not going to feel like there's physical intimacy. Now, physical intimacy with regards to touch again, non-sexual we're talking about right now is, are there touches? Is there hand holding? Is there back scratches? Is there a gentle caress of moving hair off the neck or off the shoulder or running your hand through the other person's scalp or hair or head? Are there kisses anymore that are separate from leading up to a sexual encounter? Are there makeout sessions or those cease to exist? only unless there is a sexual opportunity. Is there a high five? Is there a hug? Or is physicality only hello and goodbye at the start and the end of the day? We're talking about physicality. Your mate's washing the dishes. Do you come up behind them and put your arms around them and give them a big juicy hug and then go about the rest of your day? What does physicality look like in your relationship? If that ceases to exist, you will feel not connected. You will not experience physical intimacy. If it is existing, again, with consistency over time, no matter how long is going on your relationship, 
Some say, oh, we've been together 25 years. In the beginning, we used to do that. Not anymore. Well, why not? That's the whole thing. Why not? Are you no longer feeling those feelings towards the other person? Are you just not making the time and taking the time to do that? And that goes back again to the magic formula. I know, talked about there's no formula, yet there is a formula. You see, it's not one formula only, and yet it is a formula, which is you must make the time to take the time. But what's within that formula, that magic recipe, is different for all people, although similar in theme, which is make the time and take the time for, remember, we talked about you as an individual in the relationship and your needs, them as an individual in relationship in the couplehood, and the couple as a whole. So make the time and take the time for physicality, for intelligent conversation, for understanding their emotions and their needs, for sensuality and sexuality. Okay. So let's go to our final piece with regards to the intimacy, right? The sexual. We just talked about the emotional, which we can also say then there's intellectual, which is understanding where they're at and what their needs are, their desires, their journeys, their dreams, the physicality, which is both visually as well as in touch, and now sexually. Okay, sexual intimacy. Well, if it's going to be boring, Nobody's excited about that and interested in doing that. So often over time, the sexual relationship will cease if it's not exciting and it's not fun. People say things like, oh, well, after, you know, 15 years, 20 years, 25 years, if you're going to the same restaurant, of course, you know, it's kind of going to be boring. No, because the idea is that restaurant is going to create New recipes. You could go to the same restaurant for 40 years and it'd be delicious because you're changing the recipes ever so slightly. Sometimes it's delicious to have the same meal, only though when also you've had some different spices on different days throughout the week, the month, the year, whatnot. So sexual intimacy is about exploring touch. If it's the same position, the same way, every single time, then that will be boring and you're actually not going to experience what feels like intimacy. It will just feel like sex. If instead there's exploration, curiosity, watching how the other person responds to your touch. If you use all your body parts, your lips, your tongue, your fingers, your feet, everywhere to explore. And it's not just simply for release purposes. It's for exploratory purposes, for arousal, for sensuality and sensual sex, which is about being fully present in the moment and feeling your own experience and theirs, being fully, fully present in the moment, that sensuality, that's what then allows couples to feel truly engaged with one another and intimacy versus just getting it done to get it done. And I will tell you, yes, After 20 years of marriage, 25 years of marriage, 30 years of marriage, 35 years of marriage. Ready for this one? Buckle up. 
If your listeners are taking a walk, you might want to stop for one split second to hear this. At any stage and phase and at any age, there are things you don't know about your own body and you have no idea about your mate's body and what they are capable of and what your body is capable of because you're simply not taking the time to explore. And if you do, you're going to find out some very exciting things about what the man's body is capable of and what the woman's body is capable of because there are erogenous zones all over that body if you just make the time and take the time. So intimacy, emotional, intellectual, physical visual, physical touch, and sexual that is sensual and exploratory with curiosity. Wow, Dr. Karen, actually, that's one of the best summaries of intimacy I've ever heard. And I love that you broke it down into tears. And also, I think there's a uh, something that comes through in the way that you talk about relationships, which is a couple of things that just struck me. There's probably way more, but a couple of things that struck me were um, awareness of self, curiosity of the other, and I, you didn't say this word, but I kind of got the word responsibility, accountability. Take some, take some of the emphasis. Be that person that takes the first step. Don't just always wait for your partner. I kind of heard that. You didn't say that, but I was kind of getting that. Like, you know, we can all make the, you know, kind of like that, make the world a better place, be the change you want to be, all that sort of thing that I think, some, I don't know who, what famous person said that, but that that's what I'm hearing. Some of this come out and, and, and then time, like the amount of, t- are you aware of what you spend your time on? There's this new, of course, we know all about cell phone addiction is a new thing um, that's been happening the last 15, 20 years. And uh, the new study I read yesterday in a neuroscience uh, magazine was young adults who spend um, like only 10 to 15 minutes on social media have better mental health than anyone who spends more than 10 to 15 minutes. Like It's just like the correlation is out of this world. So phones, distractions, bills, So what I, you know, and the older you get, you know, in a couple, even if you don't have kids or you do have kids or you have a dog or whatever, there's more obligations that seem to kind of come our way as we mature uh, oftentimes, unless we're a minimalist. Um, And so, and so in that, I feel like you really have to fight for time for your relationship. You really have to make it a priority instead of, oh yeah, that's right. We're in a relationship. Oh yeah, that's tonight. We, we, uh, uh, we should connect uh, sometime, you know, like you're just putting it off. Like you're saying like, be intentional about this time. Um, so you could you could comment on that, but I do have more questions. Any comments? <laughs> yes, yes. Th- thank you for that. Um, you definitely hit the nail on the head about my work with individuals as well as couples and families, which is I'm all about ownership. I like to tell um, people that I'm working with, whether it's coaching or consulting or counseling, um, I teach them the triple A effect. So A is about awareness. A is about acknowledgement and A is about action. So what I mean is the triple A effect. If you are aware of what it is that you're feeling and you're in touch with your own feeling and your needs, and you're aware of the other person's feelings and needs. And if you a, acknowledge your needs and theirs. So in other words, you're owning, you're, you're owning your needs. You're aware of what it is. You're acknowledging what it is. You then need the trifecta, the third A, 
which is take action. Because you could be aware and acknowledge if you don't take that action, if you don't make the time and take the time for the couple, then what's going to happen? Nothing. My philosophy, I have it all over my website, right? DrKarenSolutions.com on my website. Yes, yes. I know it sounds like a plug. With that said, though, it's helpful. What I wrote up on there is all about couple under the marital philosophy. I wrote that it's important that couples take the time and make the time for, and I have a whole list, make the time and take the time, make the time and take the time. So what do you make the time and take the time for? You make the time and take the time to water the plant of marriage. That has been something I've been saying for 30 years. You got to water the plant. And if you're not watering the plant, it's going to die. So if you're not paying attention, you know, if you are withholding emotionally, physically, sensually, sexually, if you are not interacting and connecting with communication, interest, being fully present, if you're not owning that, which means that the other person's not owning that too, you must both water the plant of marriage. You must both water the plant of a long-term relationship. For a couple early on in their relationship to become a long-term relationship, not just because they choose to stay together. Heck, we can stay together in all kinds of toxic relationships over time. It's not about staying together just to stay together. I'm talking about staying together because you're really happy. That's what we're talking about. We can stay in a relationship for years that is not as fulfilling as we want it to be. It's not about forcing it. That's not what we're talking about today. What we're talking about today is how to have an awesome relationship at every stage and phase. And yes, being fully present, whether it's in the sensual dynamic or whether it's in your day-to-day, whatever it is you're doing, be in the moment, be fully present. And that's truly connection and intimacy. And the other person will feel it from you if you're not, and they'll feel it from you if you are. And that's where the couple can transcend because there's a deep, deep connection. And that's the best kind of intimacy, whether it's emotional or physical or sexual, sensual or intellectual. When two people are so fully engaged and present, there is actually nothing quite like it. And if any of your listeners have never experienced being fully present and their mate being fully present, they're missing something truly. And if they have experienced it, they know exactly what I'm talking about. Wow. I love that. And I, I think people crave it. I mean, why, you know, not only all the self-help books, but like all of the the movies and and TV shows and books, uh, novels about about true love, so to speak. You know, and this is an evolving concept. But 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 whatever true is 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 that you have to be there for it, and you have to want to be there for it. And that does take work. It takes working through your own defense mechanisms. It takes communication. It takes honesty. It takes. Um, it takes you really loving that person in different ways, like loving them beyond, you know, loving them when they're having a bad day 
not enabling them to have a bad life, right? And the new research, there's so much research. I won't even quote all of it, but this is just general. Just Google this. You'll you'll see so many studies on this. People that are in a happy relationship live longer, especially men. If men are in a relationship, they live longer than their peers. Uh, Women actually can live longer uh, with female friends. If they have female friends in their older age, uh, they will live longer. Um, But if you're in a happy relationship that you're talking about, an awesome relationship, it will live longer. Um, That is the research. That's just, it's conclusive on everything I've seen. So we're going to talk about some positive stuff here. We're going to talk about your book and 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 some advice for new couples. But let's talk about some negative stuff again. Sorry. But here we go, <laughs> listeners. We we got a good 20-something minutes left on this. Let's go negative. You know, this is such a stereotype. Every time I hear these so these stupid stories about cheating, I just my head hits the ground. I go, oh my God, how did they not see this coming? But it happens all the time. I mean, I have a counseling clinic and I can't, I'm not at liberty to say, but like my God, if we kept track, it would just be absurd. Why is cheating so common among couples? And I don't just mean sexual cheating. I mean, emotional affairs. And can you explain this? Yeah, of course it's common. We have needs. We're humans. Mm -hmm. And what happens is if our needs are being unfulfilled for X amount of time, for consistent X amount of time, we will find a way to get our needs fulfilled. That's it. I mean, that's what it really comes down to. And for some people, it could be a year into a relationship or six months. For someone else, it's 15 years. For someone else, it can take them 30 years before they get to that point. But when you have communicated with clarity over X amount of time to your mate, with your mate, your needs, and for X amount of time, you feel like your voice is unheard devalued, dismissed, invalidated, yet you still have the philosophy of wanting to remain in the relationship. You so very much still want this person, wishing, wanting, hoping that they'll just hear you if you just say it one more time. And on the side, you find yourself You find yourself fulfilling that something, something, whether it's an emotional connection with another, because that's what this is about, connection. So whether it's emotional with another, you're getting that attention from another, whether it's physical connection and closeness, because your body just yearns, just yearns to be touched. Or if it's sexual or sensual, because you feel like your body has been just placed on a shelf where there's not a focused attention and you're just yearning to feel loved in that way. So whether it's emotional, whether it's physical, whether it's intellectual, whether it's sexual, the bottom line is when we are feeling like some form of intimacy is missing, it's not uncommon to get to the point where You do something that might even be against your own values. You may have been with such certainty sure that you would never in a million years be with somebody else other than your mate. 
and yet you find yourself crossing over the line because you're fulfilling a need that has been unmet. And that is why it's so common. Wow. Again, one of the reasons, yeah. not a cookie cutter, everybody's no. unique. Somebody may have a different story. What I can give you, though, is what's very common. And that is what I give you today. Common scenario. Yeah. And it's interesting because going back to psychology class, which almost everyone, if they've gone to college, has taken and a lot of high schools actually have it now, is behind every behavior in human consciousness, there is a need. Behind every conscious behavior, there is a need. Yeah. With children, you know, parents say, why is my kid screaming? Well, there's a need, right? And uh, sometimes people make poor decisions uh, that are, well, poor meaning like uh, the society doesn't like it to make a need met. So it makes sense that cheating comes out of a need that's not being fulfilled, whether it's in the relationship, in themselves, or or whatever. It totally makes sense because you're right. Um, people know that it's not okay to do that. It's a wrong, you know, it's, 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 it's betraying perhaps the trust of another person. But I think that person at that point needs it so badly that they could justify, maybe I feel betrayed because I'm not getting my needs met. So I'm going to go get them met elsewhere. That, that's right. And um, quite a number of years ago, I had written a blog article on sexual deprivation on my website. And I remember that article, sexual deprivation, to this day, there are people still contacting me saying that they're reading this article and they had to contact me and can they talk to me because that's what they're experiencing. When we are deprived, whether it's emotionally or physically or sexually, deprivation, mm. we will seek out. We're thirsty. We're hungry. We're human beings. We need our needs met. And I appreciate what you said, whether it's something within the couple that's missing or something within one's own self. Because again, it's not that for all couples, cheating happens because there's something missing within the couple. That's the most common though. I will tell you that is the fact. So as hurtful as it might feel for the person who has been cheated on, they say, but I did everything. I was a really good mate. Well, there was something that was missing. And likely your mate told you exactly what it was that was missing. Because usually, again, common typical is the mate has told you, you just haven't made the change. Uh, with that said, though, that's not always the case. There's going to be some of your listeners who the case was very different as to why the cheating happened. And I want to make sure their voice feels heard and validated that we understand that this is not all people all the time. This is what it is. This is rather the common reason. And that's what we're talking about today. Very good. Um, well, since yeah. since we've got a little bit of time left before we get to the positive stuff and what you can do to help people. I still want to ask some negative questions. 
So, what is going on? Are you sure you want to go all negative? You think your listeners have these questions. That's why. I do it? think so. Yeah. I, I feel like people wouldn't tune in unless they had some questions. So I'm going to go negative here. Well, and this and is, I'm, I'm, all, I'm all about the Q&A with okay. Dr. K. You know what I'm saying? I'm yeah. happy to answer any questions. Listen, you know, I, I think to myself sometimes when somebody calls me and they say, hey, can I just have one session with you? I think they're genius. Why not? Ask me all the questions. I'll answer them. For other people, they want more of like a counseling approach or a coaching approach over time. Whatever it is, people have questions. And so I love it that you're providing your audience an opportunity through your mouth. You are the vessel for them to ask the questions. So it's go time. You tell me. What's another question you got? Well, I'm here. I've got two big ones. Um, okay. but, but this one, okay, so I want to get to boundaries second, because I feel like that's going to be leading into the positive, because that's more of a neutral one. But I had never heard of this. And you mentioned this, you have a lot of writing out there. But what is a gray divorce? What is a gray divorce? Why does it happen? Can you explain that? Yes, gray, gray divorce, as in your hair color is ah, turning gray. Okay. Got you it. see gray. Yes, yes. So gray divorce over time as we age, it's 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 older divorce. What happens? So over time our hair gets gray, gray divorce. Mm -hmm. It's a term that's used for the couple who's hit that point where if they've had kids, their kids are likely out of the home at this point. Mm. They don't have the same level of attention uh, that is required from the children living at home. Parents have aged, they're older, mm. gray divorce. And why is it so common for these divorces to be happening over 40, over 50, you think to yourself, are you kidding me? You've been together since you were 20 and now you're getting divorced at 40 or you've been together mm -hmm. since you're in your late 20s and now you're getting divorced at 50. Who would want to do that? You're right. No one wants to do that. You don't get married because you're going to get divorced or want to get divorced mm -hmm. to have a gray divorce is such a painful decision. Yeah. So why is it such a painful decision? Well, you know, you the fear. No one wants to be alone as you age. You want to have somebody to be with. Fear is not the only topic. It's the topic of longing for connection and companionship. Of course you want someone to either have your meals with or go on a walk with or exercise with or go to the movies with someone to spend your life with. Nobody wants to have a great divorce. So making that decision, you must know. You must know how unhappy you must truly have been for so long. How much communication must have gone on saying your needs met, needs unfulfilled to where you have no more words anymore left to get to a point where you choose a gray divorce. So that's, that's what tough. gray divorce is. Yes, that's what gray divorce is. You get to that point where you're older and you decide to no longer remain with that person because you're so recognizing that what you want is not going to happen. The changes mm. that you need for you to be either mentally well or physically well 
or both in that relationship is not going to occur. And so you choose, imagine that you choose being alone, right? The dreaded word alone as you age. Now, you're not really alone. You know, you have yourself, right? Meaning you have you and potentially friends. Maybe you find another mate. Maybe you don't. But to the point of gray divorce is when you've gotten to the point when you're older and you say that I can no longer accept the unacceptable. Um, and you hope that you're well enough to make the kinds of connections that you need in order to live a happy, healthy life. To your point, socialization, you mentioned it earlier regarding studies. Having close friends is really important to be able to interact and socialize. Uh, but again, it's not it's not a mate. Um, so yeah, anyway, that's what gray divorce is on that topic. That's tough. That's tough. I appreciate you uh, going to that. So let's go a little bit more neutral before we head to the positive here. Um, now, there are books on boundaries. There's people on TikTok that think they know what boundaries are. Boundaries this and boundaries that and walls and fences and formulas and some sort of uh, automatic text responses. You, you've heard it all. Okay, so what, what is your what is your take on in the couples, in the relationships, which we're talking about, we want to have an awesome relationship. How do we utilize boundaries appropriately so that we're not either too aggressive or too passive? Or well, I'm not sure. Those are just my thoughts. What, what are you? What is, what's your take? Yeah. So boundaries when it comes to a couple relationship is an interesting topic. So in my book um, that I had written uh, uh, quite a few years ago, Dr. Karen's marriage manual, you know, it's interesting at the time. I remember when I wrote it, people would say, oh, you know, it's not just for marriage. It's for couples that have been together for a long time or for a short time or early stage. It could be at any stage and phase. And I remember people would talk about that and read it and say that at any stage and phase, this is helpful advice because I would talk about the top do's and don'ts to have a happy, awesome relationship. You know, the top do's and the top don'ts. You don't want to do this. You do want to do that. And literally in alphabetical order, A through Z, I list all the things you do want to do, all the things you don't want to do. Okay. Now, how does that work though? In terms of, let's say, you know, all the right things, you know, oh, this is the things to do to have a great couplehood. These are the things to do to to destroy your couplehood. How does boundaries play a role in a relationship? It's such a hot topic these days. Boundaries, boundaries. What even is boundaries? Well, people think that boundaries is just about your physical space, as in, don't touch me this way. That's my boundary. That is so simplistic. A boundary is not just about how not to touch. A boundary is about the boundaries you set in terms of what you do want as well. Mm. What you don't want and what you do want. Physically, emotionally, intellectually, and verbally. Boundaries. So if you say to someone, when you speak to me that way, it hurts me. You have now attempted to create an emotional verbal boundary. You've told them it's not okay when you talk to me that way. 
it hurts my feelings. So you've now emotionally created a boundary because you've shared your feelings, emotions, and you've done that verbally stating what is not okay verbally and how they communicate with you. If the other person continues to communicate that way, they are now literally a boundary violator. Physically, if you say, when you touch me that way, it feels uncomfortable. I like it better this way. And if your mate says, but I like it this way, you're in an interesting position because someone who is a people pleaser will then decide to say, oh, they like it that way. All right. But the fact is, that is now a boundary violation. <clears throat> because as I stated a moment ago, boundaries are not just about what you do like. It's about what you don't like. Boundaries are about verbalizing what you like and what you don't like. What's okay, what's not okay. Emotionally, verbally. Intellectually, physically sexually. Those are boundaries. So when you've been together in a couple relationship, boundaries can be violated all over the place. Your mate might walk in on you when you're taking a shower and going to the bathroom. That's physical boundaries. People think physical is just about touch. No, physical boundaries is also with regards to your space. So if you say, I really feel uncomfortable when I'm using the restroom or when I'm in the shower. I like to have my own space and private time. And if your mate is not respectful of that or gives you a rationale as to why them coming in should be completely acceptable. Now, if you choose to leave the door open, that's one thing. But if you close it and you want your privacy and then they rationalize why it's okay, again, they're not hearing your voice. They are a boundary violator. And if you continue to allow that to happen, then you are enabling the condition. If you verbalize your boundaries and they still don't obey it, you're in a very tough situation, aren't you? Because then you're in a relationship with someone who is not respecting your boundaries. Right? I love that. Yes. This is so important because I feel like a lot of times people talk about boundaries. They just talk about what not to do. I think it's also saying, hey, this is my preference. I would appreciate it if you would do this or that. Right. I've even heard about this in the most subtle ways. You know, there's the obvious ones that, you know, we hear about in domestic violence or somebody trying to dominate one of the other people. But these little things like um, somebody says, uh, you know, I don't like it when you tickle me, which is, you know, maybe a playful thing with couples, right? They might not tickle each other. Or I don't like it when you pat, pat me. Don't pat me. You can do, you can put, put your hands on my shoulders or, or, or rub them even, but just please don't pat me because that reminds me because it has something to do with that person's preference, maybe something from their past, maybe it represents something to them. The other person says, well, I like patting or I like tickling, right? That, that could be a violation unless I go, okay, well, I respect you and I'm going to be in the flow. I'm going to be mindful and be present here with you. And I understand that that's important to you, even though it doesn't make sense to me. I love you enough to modify my behavior for your preferences and also, you know, to make sure I'm not violating something here. So that's what I'm hearing. And, yes. and you've yes. got to know what you want. You know, I mean, we, we won't go into domestic violence relationships today. I know you've got a documentary coming out about that, but, um, you know, the, we want to make sure that the, the intimacy comes and the love and the excitement and the connection comes when you are able to respect each other. Right. I feel like it, Thank you. Literally, yeah. that's the word. It feels disrespectful. 
and can often be very confusing when you're in a relationship where there is a lack of boundaries, whether it's emotional, verbal, whether it's physical in terms of your space. There's even time boundaries, how you want to spend your time and you communicate Mm -hmm. your needs. Mm -hmm. And if your mate is dismissive of it, let's say you say, "Um, I'm going to take about 30 minutes. I just need some alone time to read. You know, I'm going to go in the other room and read. And your mate says, well, how come you're not spending the time with me? When meanwhile, you had just spent time together and now you're taking the time for yourself. Again, if you are a people pleaser, you might then say, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. Like, okay, I could totally read another time. So what happens is the boundaries have been violated. But instead, if your mate says, oh, I totally understand. It was so great to spend some time together just now. We'll spend time again. You enjoy your alone time, whether it's your time alone, whether it's your time with a friend, whatever it is. If you are having a nice life of counterbalance between your relationship and taking the time and making the time for your mate, and you feel your mate is not respecting, honoring your emotional, verbal, time, physical space, physical touch, and or sexual boundaries, it is time for a serious conversation about boundaries. And the challenge here is if your mate disagrees and says none of that is a boundary issue and none of that is an issue, well, now you have a whole other kind of problem, which can lead us into the other topic of why divorces happen and why cheating happens and why you don't feel connected in a relationship. Because these are things where it's very confusing for someone if you say to yourself, well, my mate loves me, but yet he or she is acting this way. How could you love me and do this? How can you love me and do that or not do this or not do that? Anyway, that's the topic of boundaries. Thank you for asking. Wonderful. So there's been so much here. I know we've, I I feel like we've covered a lot of negative, but I feel like that's because people want to be preventative and they want to avoid these things and do the right things. So yes, well, actually within dialogue about what is deemed as negative, we've been very solution oriented talking about specifically what the problem is to acknowledge and own this is a problem. So that way couples could say to themselves, wow, I'm experiencing this. Any of your listeners could say today, hmm, you know, what Dr. Karen was talking about today, um, I've experienced this. I didn't realize that was a boundary violation or gosh, I am getting on the verge of, you know, considering cheating or I am thinking about a great divorce or gosh, we've been really making this mistake. We haven't been making the time and taking the time to water the plants of the marriage. We've been so focused on the business partnership of our relationship, which includes, you know, focusing on the house and the children and so forth. Or gosh, I've been really thinking about my needs. I haven't been thinking about my mate's needs. Or gosh, I've been thinking so much about my mate's needs. I haven't been thinking about my needs. You know, that whole trifecta of my needs, your needs, our needs. So You know, if we think about the summary, if you will, which in essence is what I just did taking for this moment in time, thinking a bit about the summary, if you will, of some of the things, the key pointers that we talked about today, this allows anybody who's listening to say, hmm, this is something I should consider talking with my mate about because I see this as something we are going through. And I love you and I want us to continue to grow over time. So let's talk about this that 
I believe is a challenge. Do you believe it's a challenge too? What can we do together to grow? So that would be a strategy, if you will, a communication strategy for any of your listeners for how to perhaps bring up this podcast that they just heard with their mate in such a way that can perhaps open up a dialogue about uh, growth and improvement uh, within the couple dynamic. I love it. And I do think that this podcast is very accessible for all types and shapes and ages of relationships because you did a great job at just talking about mates. You never said what gender they were. You never said how old they were. I love that because I think you can apply this to your place uh, in wherever you are in your space. And so with that, I do think this as a therapist, my, my theory is, you know, knowledge is power. And I think knowledge is so powerful when you get educated and don't just come up with stuff from your own brain, but you learn from an expert. So this podcast is scraping the surface. You are giving me the highlights. You are giving me the best appetizers, but you have books on this. Can you talk about maybe a couple of what it, what books you wrote and where could people get them? Yeah. So on my website, drkarensolutions.com, um, I have my blog articles and information about marriage and so forth. Uh, but I do have my books listed there. And if you order it directly from my website, drkarensolutions.com, it's really great because I could personally autograph it. I'm literally the one. I I see the order come in through my website. I say, oh, this is one of your listeners ordering the book. And I'll autograph the book. I can even write a special message if you want a particular message. Just write there when you order it that you want a particular message. And I'll write that message on the book. And then I go ahead and I put it in a little package and I send it out in the mail. Uh, so whether it's my um, relationship book, which is called Dr. Karen's Marriage Manual, though it is for any type of relationship, you don't have to be married, all the do's and don'ts, all the Q&A, questions and answers that are most pressing. Um, and I also have a book called 10 Seconds to Mental Health. So that book on my website, um, each day, it only takes 10 seconds to read an inspirational tip from me to you. That's why I call it 10 seconds to mental health. And some tips are about marriage. Some tips are about parenting. Some tips are about your relationship with yourself. Uh, but it's a different inspirational motivation tip for each day. And as fun as those books are, anyone who wants to order, happy to autograph it. I really do urge your listeners, though, to not feel awkward to contact me directly, whether it's literally they only want one session they just have questions. They want to talk to me on the phone. They want to meet me at the park. They want to meet me in my office. You know, literally walk and talk therapy or meet at a park, get some fresh air while they talk or go to my office or meet on the phone or Zoom or FaceTime or whatever. If it's one session for questions, they want a consult or they want a several sessions or they want full-on therapy. Whatever their needs are, that's what I'm here for. And I tailor make how I create what our relationship is going to be based on what their needs are. So whether I'm therapist, consultant, or coach, I'm here for them. So definitely have them contact me on my website, drkarensolutions.com. Or you know what? They could just send me a text. I mean, they could they could call me or text me right on my business cell, which is 781 241 
7837. But don't worry, you don't have to retain that to memory. Just <laughs> Dr. Karen, Solutions.com because on my website, it has my uh, my phone number and my email address and clients can contact me there directly. I love that. Uh, you know, it was, I was actually going to get to that, but I love how you delineated the difference between consultant coaching and counseling, because those are three different things. And I've talked about that on the show before, but it's so cool that you have been versatile enough in your career to be able to provide all three. A lot of people, you know, it's like, okay, I'm a therapist. I have this office. You've got to come there. You got to bring the other person. You got to do this. You got to live within 30 miles of me, whatever. That's a thing, right? But due to uh, the, the way you have worked in all different modes of working, You also have these options for coaching, which is so cool. And I think opens up a major amount of people that maybe can't even find a good therapist in their area. I hear this. Oh my God. I've heard this so often. I can't find a good couples therapist, right? They're, they're joining with one of the couple and they're pissing on the other one. And, you know, it's this whole, you know, triangulation situation. I, I, I think they need an expert. I tell people, listen, do not go to an individual therapist. For yes. couples counseling, go to somebody who mostly at least sixty percent or more of their of their couples or people they work with are couples or families. Do not go to individual therapists for this. I'm an individual therapist. Please don't come to me for couples counseling. I can't do it. I won't do it. I I will melt. I I will I will be destroyed. Doctor Karen is your source here. And then consulting, like you said, is you know the, people just go. Dr. Karen, I need a couple uh, sessions to to ask about this. And I I do young adults. So like as a young adult expert, like with parents, I've had people call me and like, I need a consulting thing. I'm not, I'm not here for therapy. I just, I got my own therapist. Just like, give me, give me two hours of your time. Let's pick through these issues. What are your thoughts? That knowledge is power and you don't know what you don't know. And that is so key to everything about self-help, mental health, all that is when you start, when you learn something new and it's, and it clicks because you, you met with Dr. Karen and you, or, or, or whoever, and you, and you got that kind of personal time devoted to it, then you can throw yourself into three, you can throw yourself in the third A, like you said, awareness, acknowledge, action. Maybe the action for somebody is getting at least just one appointment to understand where am I at? What are my options? Right. And and since you've been doing this for 30 years, I will send people, I have sent people to you, actually. <laughs> I won't say who, but I, I already have sent people your way because, uh, you know, like it, it takes a specialist. Individual therapy, there's so many of us that do all types of different things. And, and, you know, you can find a good individual therapist. They're out there. Couples therapy is a whole nother beast. And, yeah. and and learning about family dynamics. So yeah, anyway, that's what I wanted to say to that. Th- Go ahead. Thank you. I really appreciate that. And you know, when I'm working with couples, sometimes they're wanting advice on their relationship dynamic and sometimes they're needing help as parents, as a parenting oh, team. Okay. So yeah, so so it's not just about because often couples are also challenged by the parenting piece and being yes. able to work through that because often they have different perspectives and opinions about how to handle things, um, whether it's a blend family or whether it's um you know their their own their own children together so um parenting 
being a parenting strategist, that's in essence how I refer to myself, um, a parenting advisor. There are sessions where I provide answers to their most pressing questions and concrete strategies that they can use in the now, in live time to start making shifts. So they can create boundaries um, that are healthy and they can be able to um, parent in a way in which really makes the difference for their family system. So whether I'm working with the couple on their dynamic, and there's so many issues why couples will come in, you know, whether it's betrayal, trauma, what we were talking about before with regards to um, cheating or whether it's their own sexual intimacy issue. Um, and sometimes um, sexual intimacy issues are, are, are prevalent where one person is experiencing not feeling like they have the same libido as the other. And they think, well, it is what it is. Again, it doesn't have to be what it is, what it is. So whether it's intimacy, whether it's infidelity, whether it's parenting issues, whether it's communication issues, whether it's managing your emotions, whether it's anger management, whether it's just communication issues, whether it's the loss of the connection over time, whether you've been together for a short amount of time or a long amount of time, I thank you for your reminding your listeners that there's an expert, myself included, um, out there. Uh, and they, they really do need to go to the relationship expert. And there is truth to that because there is a big difference. Think about it. Do you go to the dentist and the dentist says, oh, you have a cavity, but then they give you braces? That would be the wrong, the wrong strategy, right? So it's the same concept. You, literally, literally the same concept. So you you go to the specialist for what you need done. And if you're having a relational dynamic issue, whether it's the family, whether it's the kids, whether it's you and your mate with regards to anything, you whether it's you want to come in yourself to talk about relationship issues you're having, whether it's about dating or anything else, it's a relational issue, so you want to go to a relationship expert. So yes, I look forward to any of your listeners contacting me directly, whether it's via my cell, 781-241-7837. I always respond within 24 to 48 hours and get the client in that same week. So if they're texting the wrong phone number, because I didn't get back, it's because they texted the wrong number. So that's why they need to look on my website. Out of the website. In case if they, yes, in case if they're remembering the number incorrectly, drkarensolutions.com. You'll see me. I'm in a blue dress. <laughs> awesome. And, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And my con- all my contact information is right on the website. I love it. And I would say that you've done a wonderful job summarizing. And with that, I thank you so much for coming on the Intentional Clinician Podcast, and it's been my honor. Thank you for having me. It has been joyous working with you. And there you have it. This has been another episode of the Intentional Clinician Podcast. If you're enjoying the show, please share it with people you know. I would surely appreciate it. Or please give us a rating on iTunes. It really helps out a lot. If you are looking for an EMDR consultant for the International Association, I am now an EMDRIA consultant and can provide 20 hours needed to become EMDRIA certified. I have groups online and in person. Just check out my website, healthforlifegr.com, and send me a contact. If you're looking for EMDR training, I recommend EMDR Training Solutions. Check them out online. If you are in need of counseling, do not hesitate to make an appointment with the local counselor in your area. 
You can also make an appointment with the excellent clinicians in the Grand Rapids area at Health for Life Counseling and the Trauma-Informed Counseling Center of Grand Rapids by visiting www.healthforlifegr.com. If you would like to see one of them online, as long as you live in the state of Michigan, you can also do that, so feel free to contact us that way. The recording you just listened to consists of the personal opinions of Paul Krauss and his guest, and while these are based upon the literature they have read and their experience in the field, they should not be viewed as a definitive opinion on this or any subject. Listening to this podcast is not a substitute for treatment. If you're in crisis, please call 911 or the National Suicide Prevention Hotline at 988. You can also text the hotline at 741-741. If you've been listening to this show for a while, you'll know that I am all about preventing future violence in the United States. I started a nonprofit called the National Violence Prevention Hotline, which is a 501c3 organization. We are working to gain funding so that we can start a 24-7 hotline and chat line to reach potential perpetrators before they act violently. Also, it is going to correspond with people that don't know what to do with people in their lives that they fear may be violent. It is a bold effort to curb violence and save innocent lives by working to connect to potential offenders and people they know while they are in the planning stages of violence, help to de-escalate them, and provide resources so they can get appropriate professional help. The National Violence Prevention Hotline is looking to open up a conversation about violence in society, the causes, and the solutions. You can learn more by visiting our website at violencepreventionhotline.org. You can sign our petition, share with your network, or even donate to the cause. It's tax deductible. Did you know you can support your local bookstore by shopping at bookshop.org? You can order online from the comfort of your own home while supporting local businesses near you. If you are a therapist and you are not a member of your local counseling association, I implore you to get involved. If you're complaining about your job and the wages and the way things are with insurance, you can't make an impact by complaining, but you certainly can make an impact by joining forces with other therapists. For instance, the American Counseling Association, the American Mental Health Counselors Association, of course, the National Association of Social Workers, and more. Get involved that way, and you can actually have a solution. All right. Until next time, I'm wishing you all a safe and peaceful week.